Zigzag and One, a place where we honestly discuss how to embrace the zigs and the zags in our crazy lives. Running away is not an option. Living in defeat is not an option. Instead, learning how to keep moving forward is what we'll do together, one nugget of wisdom at a time. Your host is Melanie Brown. She's navigated a few zigs and zags in her life with the determination to never give up. Expect great stories and lots of laughs. Are you ready? Let's do it. Welcome to this episode of the Zigzag in One podcast. I'm your host, Melanie Brown. Thanks so much for joining me. My friend Diane McDaniel is with me today. I absolutely love this woman, and you will too. As my younger son is leaving the nest, her youngest son is learning to drive, and boy, did she have some great stories to share with me. As his primary instructor, teaching him to drive, as Diane puts it, is challenging the parts of her that wants to live. If you've taught your kid how to drive, you know what she means. She has fought bipolar for many years, and what makes her the bravest woman I know is that Every single time she gets knocked down, she bounces back. Because she's faced every zigzag associated with bipolar disorder, she desires to write a book about all she's learned so that others who struggle with that disorder won't feel alone. Diane and I focus specifically on how she's dealing with her mental illness during COVID. It definitely has amplified her struggles. Listeners, lean in because she shares great ideas about how to connect with your friends and family who are struggling during this time. Now, these suggestions may seem small, but they will have a big impact. Join me for my conversation with Diane McDaniel. For some, these last few months of COVID have amped up fears about getting sick and caused anxiety from that daily change in direction of what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Not seeing an end to this pandemic has covered others in a heavy blanket of depressed feelings. Some are even ending their lives because coping with the uncertain and overwhelming new normal is just too much. Anxiety, depression, suicide, all attacks on our mental health. Today, I'm joined by my friend Diane. The attacks on her mental health started many years ago. She's with me today so that we can discuss her journey with bipolar disorder before and now during COVID. Thanks for joining me today, Diane. Yeah, Mel, this is great. I love you, my friend. I love you. All right, so we're going to talk about your story, and I shared your story about two years ago, and it was called A No Casserole Illness. If you are listening and you are interested in learning more after you hear what Diane shares today, make sure you go to MelanieBrown.com and check out her two-part story there. So if you could, Diane, give the listeners just a brief snapshot of your journey. Okay. Um, I have bipolar disorder. I was diagnosed 
when I was 34, which was 13 years ago. And basically, it was a time in my life when I finally had a name for the illness, for what was going on with me, the bizarre behaviors, the depression, the dark thoughts, the suicidal ideations. I had um, I had just struggled with um, these off and on throughout my life since I was very young. Um, I don't, I can't give you an age, but I know I was very young because it's as far back as I can remember. But I finally received an, an official diagnosis, and it was after the birth of my third child. Mm-hmm, I remember that. After having him, my body went into an episode of what's called mixed states, mm-hmm. um, where you have the depression. The thoughts of someone who's depressed, but the energy of someone who's manic, and he um, and, and all those symptoms collided. I had suicidal thoughts. I had energy. I couldn't sleep. I um, just I would have moments of being paralyzed in my bed when I couldn't move and take care of my baby and my two small children at the same time. Um, it was it was just a real difficult time for all of us, and. That's when my OBGYN sent me to a psychiatrist and finally officially diagnosed me. I remember when I interviewed you, you talked about how having a name, even though it wasn't a name that you necessarily wanted to identify with, was helpful because at least you knew what was going on and then you could head towards treatment. Exactly. At least there was a name for it, and that meant having a name meant that there is a way to treat it. Right. And it's not exact, but it is. There are treatments for it, and I do live. I can live a normal, whatever normal is. I, <laughs> I don't think any of us know what normal is. Anymore. Exactly. <laughs> um, I can live a healthy life, um, a stable life, when. I'm properly medicated and medicated. I I love that. (laughs) (laughs) But you're also getting counseling that helps you deal with the ups and downs that go along with it. Yes. So it's a it's a multi kind of treatment approach. Right. Right. They say that there's it's more effective if you have that multi treatment approach. If you have therapy, you have medications, and you do like changes to your sleep patterns and your diet and, you know, they do a combination and it's always going to be more effective than just a one, just depending on one pill to make you happy. So I remember when we posted your story back in June of 2018, we had to put a pause on it, even though I had all the information because you went into treatment and you came home, you were in a better place. We published your story and you had you had gotten to a good place at that point, but then here recently, you struggled again right before COVID. So tell me about that time. Yes. Uh, August, last August, I ended up in a place called Skyland Trail, and I had ended up in an episode, the episode of my life, basically. It's the biggest episode of my life. Yes. I um, was having surgery to have a hysterectomy. Because the hormones, the female hormones, were colliding with the bipolar every month. And I was having these dysphoric, very just suicidal and intense, intense episodes. 
and I just couldn't kick it. I everyone I would have extreme fatigue and Melanie, I know you can identify with the yes. extreme fatigue that I'm describing. You just you just can't function. You just can't function. And so I had the surgery and the surgery kicked in a bipolar episode and I ended up just getting worse before I got better. And ultimately ended up in Skyland and got kicked out of Skyland because I overdosed and I just couldn't get a grip. There was, it was just out of control, the, everything that was taking place in my body. And finally I had ECT shock treatments. Mm-hmm. And it was after that, that um, after the treatments were over, I was in a, a flat place. I mean, I didn't talk. I was mute, basically. And, and that's interesting because you're a talker. <laughs> I'm a talker. You're, you're a fun talker. You got lots of energy, lots of things to, to say. Right. So, yeah, that's a drastic change. It was, it was a change. And my peers did, were very concerned, thinking, oh, no, is this what the new Diane? Is this yes. what we have to look forward to? And after the treatments were finished, I slowly began to wake up. And when I woke up, it was February, March, and I was in the middle of COVID. Or we were, the the country was in the middle of COVID. So you came home for that treatment right as the country was shutting down. Yes, I did. That's, so. That could not have been a worse timing. The timing was not, it was, this is where we know that we are not in control, that Obviously, somebody greater than us is in control, and he he knew. He knew. Yes. And he knew that I needed those ECT treatments before COVID hit. And so I had that shoring me up, mm-hmm. but I was still foggy and... Well, you were still recovering. Yes, yes. I was in recovery. Recovery and covid it was my, what was it, my recovery room? Uh, yeah, and and to walk into that from being in a in a place where you're trying to get everything sorted out, and then you come home, and what was normal when you left is now in total chaos, and it's not just your household, it's everyone's household across the world. Exactly. It was not just my crisis anymore. Well, it, it wasn't was, your your home safe space no because it's not I mean it's not like it's was um dangerous at your home but safety is in comfort and there wasn't any comfort there right when you came home and like you said earlier I'm very social and when you shut down the country you know that limits your and there's the social distancing and that limits your contact with humans with people yes and and if you don't have a mental illness, it's incredibly hard. So it only has to compound what you were struggling with. Exactly. Everything is exacerbated. Yes. It's just, like you said, compounded even further. So what kind of treatments happened when you got home? Did you get any kind of treatments? Well, I had decided, because, you know, I was just so stable when I got home, that I didn't need my therapist anymore. Oh, so no. I was asking her. <laughs> Um, but my doctor talked me into staying in treatment and I just found a new therapist. And so I have a, so far the, 
I've met with a therapist online only since COVID, and we've never met in person, but she is she is the best fit for me. She's Wonderful. a Christian, which I haven't had many Christian therapists in the past, and she is she's just on target. She gets it. So, well, I'm so glad that even though it was an unfortunate situation to come home to that you were at least able to continue recovering at home and getting that therapy. Because I know that that has been a very important part of your journey. Absolutely. So talk about how the struggles that you've had with anxiety and depression and the manic thoughts and the suicidal thoughts, how has COVID um, just amped that up for you? And what are you doing to try and offset those feelings? What I struggle with through COVID and putting the bipolar in the mix is just having peace, just being settled. Just feel, yes. I just feel a sense of unsettledness and mm-hmm. just no motivation. And I'm, I'm a motivated person. I, I have, when I want to do something, I do it. And I just haven't been motivated. I'm currently not working I fired, filed for disability mm-hmm. during COVID, um, or du- yeah, during that time. Being able to hang out with your friends and being able to um, have that that human contact, the I connection, know, the connection, yeah, um, that's been very difficult. Um, Do you feel like that adds to the depression? Yes. Yeah. It does. I feel a, a hopelessness not just for myself, mm-hmm. but for the state of our our nation. Just yes. For where we are. Yes. I feel that I I think I take I don't know, but I for me I take on the whole pain of the world mm. and it's it's just set, you know, what do I do with this? Yes. And that's when I have to remember I am not in control. Yes. God is in control. And even though it may not, even to me, feel like God is doing anything to help speed this along or fix the problems, or sometimes I, I get those feelings myself, but it is very, very important to say, stop that, stop that, and remember that God has that master plan. And he knew about this way long time ago, right? and he's already got this figured out, and he's not obligated to tell us, hey, it's going to end on such and such a day, and this is how I'm going to fix it. He's not obligated to say that. So I, just like you, have to remember that God is in control, and he will take care of this situation in in his wisdom and his knowledge of life in the world. Right. And that, I truly find comfort in that. I do, too. But I'll drop it. I'll drop it, and then remember again and pick it back up and say, okay, you are in control. You are the one who determines when, where, what, why, how. Yes. You're the, you're the, um, sovereign God. So, um, and there is lots of comfort in that, even against myself, because I have turned on myself during this. I have felt very suicidal Mm. and I have, um, wanted to just get out of all the pain that my personal pain, the world pain Mm -hmm. 
and I just want to get out, and I have to stop. And no, I, I attempted suicide in Skyland, and mm-hmm. I didn't die. Right. Okay, because I'm not in control. I don't determine when I die. And he still has, he still has a lot of purpose for you left. Right. And that's something that's real important for all of us to remember. Right. Definitely. Um, he, he is, I, I find so much comfort in that, Mel. Yeah. I do. I find so much comfort in that he is sovereign and that he is in control of our destiny. So I know that your um, struggle with bipolar is more um, extreme than what I might deal with as far as depressed feelings or anxiety. But what are some things that people have done during COVID and just any time at all that have helped you in any kind of way, made you feel more loved, made you feel more of a reason to keep living, any of those things that would help us when we see a friend or a loved one that is struggling during this time? That's a good question. Um, I've had people send cards, just random. I mean, what seems like random to me is (laughs) once again in God's timing and control. Um, I've had, I have a girlfriend who she and I have decided that appointments are necessary to give me purpose and to give me reason to, all right, tomorrow morning at 1030, you have an appointment with, you know. This friend. Yeah, with this friend. And we will set appointments. She'll call about every two weeks or so. And then I have one that we have a standing appointment where we meet weekly the same day and sometimes we'll throw extra days in the middle depending on mm-hmm. what's going on with her. And I don't want to always assume that it's just me that needs to be taken care of. I have I have to step outside of myself having bipolar disorder and know that others struggle too. They yes. have their stuff. And then um, text, just something as simple as a text. And I know, Mel, you're the queen of <laughs> making me feel special. Through a text, and it's like, how hard is it? It's not, but it does so much for a person to send that simple text. Well, I care about you greatly, and I love checking on you and just saying, hey, I love you, um, because I care about you as my friend. And so when you have replied back and you just gush about how much it means, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, um, I'm glad that I text, but I'm just letting you know I care about you. Right. But it means so much to you, and I think that's so important for the listeners to hear is not patting me on the shoulder at all, but just to say, I, when I text my friends and say, hey, I'm just checking on you, how are you doing, thinking about you today, any of those things, that's so important. And and you even mentioning about the cards in the mail. I think we've we've really gone away from the old-fashioned letter in the mail or the card in the mail. And I had a pen pal when I was a kid, and we we exchanged letters back and forth. And even then, it was exciting to go to the mailbox and get a letter from from Bonnie. And recently, she was here and visited. um, This was before COVID. And we said, we're going to continue this because getting something in the mail from somebody that you love and care about and are friends with it's just so special, and 
I know it has to be extremely special when you're really, really struggling. Yes, it is, because your your thoughts can take you to places of extreme, alone, um, you're the only one mm-hmm. in this place, and when somebody reaches out to you in a simple text, it just, it means a lot to me. And yes. I'm sure that others can connect with that. What I hear about the suggestions that you're giving is all about connection. Yes. And I know how important that is to me when I'm struggling. Right. Um, and so I do think that the pandemic, unfortunately, has really amplified the whole idea of disconnection because we're all sheltered in place or we're all wearing masks and you can't see anybody's facial expressions. If somebody were to smile at you at the grocery store and, and say, hey, you wouldn't get that same feeling because it's behind the mask. Right. And so that, that connection is what I really wanted us to focus on today is whether or not someone has a mental illness that's been diagnosed or a friend may just be having a rough time with a job loss or they can't spend time with somebody that's a family member because they're in the hospital with COVID and they're not allowed to visit. All of those things, you can't fix them with connection, but it does make an incredible difference yes. when we reach out. And just like you were saying, uh, it's so important to think these are little things, but they make a huge impact. Right. Absolutely. And so I think that is a big takeaway for me today in spending time with you is to reiterate how important connection is for, for our friends during this time who are struggling and maybe they've told you and maybe they haven't, but just sending a text and saying, Hey, thinking about you or sending a card in the mail, even picking up the phone and, and just talking to that person on the phone to me is so vital during this time. Absolutely. Um, I don't think anybody is, um, I don't know, not at a place that they don't need that. Yes. We're humans. That's how God wired us. Yes. We're made for each other. We're made to connect. To connect. And it builds us up and it strengthens us. Right. Even on a good day, it does that. So right. imagine how much more it would do if you're at a point where you're struggling. Exactly. I'd like to add another story here. I want to uh, talk about the family piece yes. during COVID. Yes. It has been essential. That word is popular, but yes, it's, it's true. Um, I have been spending some quality time with my husband in the evenings while he goes and works Uber Eats. Mm-hmm. And he drives around town. I ride as passenger and just... Right. I like to be, I like being a passenger in a car. That's very therapeutic for me. Okay. Um, But this time during the pandemic has really put a lot of stress, but also a lot of blessing on the family. Yes. Do you notice that? I I have. And I've heard some people, and I understand where they're coming from, that it's a little bit too much, but I also feel like it's been a blessing. Yes. It's, it's just been added bonus to not to feeling so separated when I was away at Skyland Trail and mm-hmm. being in my tunnel, my suicidal tunnel. Just having my family around me has been more of a blessing. I'm not going to say that it's been every day has been the most wonderful experience. Um, 
But anyway. It's no, been- family knows how to push buttons, so there's always <laughs> that. Um, but I agree that this has been um, an opportunity yes. to, to strengthen and grow the connection that we have with our family. So I love that story. Yeah. I know what your one takeaway is because I've heard you say it quite a few times, but let's make sure and say it again so that the listeners know what your one takeaway is. My takeaway is is that God is in control. He is the one who is the author of our lives. And I just, I think he is sovereign. And when I slip into those places, I, as soon as I get back on board, somebody remind me, whatever it is, um, he is sovereign. I'm not in charge. And I'm thankful for that. I am too, because I don't know how in the world to solve this pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my, no. Yeah. Diane, thank you so much, sweet friend, for doing this with me today. It has been so incredible to hear your view and to learn from you about the simple things that we can do to help somebody when they are struggling. Yeah, I was excited to have the opportunity to hopefully help somebody instead of just using what I'm gaining for myself. So I really appreciate you reaching out. Well, I love you, friend. I love you. These times are challenging us in ways we would never have imagined or thought we could endure. Attacks on our mental health during this time is widespread. It may be you or a spouse or your children or your best friend. I really do encourage you listeners to consider implementing the strategies that Diane shared as those simple but meaningful things build connection and strengthen our mental health. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Zigzag and One podcast. It's scary to think about how many people have been and are struggling with mental health during COVID. I know of quite a few. I bet you do too. We, you and I, I think that we can't solve their struggles, but I do believe we can make a difference. I'm committing to you that I will reach out and connect with those that I know who are struggling. Can I ask, would you do the same? A phone call or a text or a card in the mail or meeting for coffee will go a long way. Thanks, friends, for joining me today. If you subscribe to the podcast, thank you. If you don't, it would mean so much to me if you would hit the subscribe button. I look forward to hanging out with you again on the next episode. Until then, keep moving forward.